Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am so grateful that you're here. Today's guest is a new friend of mine. We have a shared mutual friend, and we'll jump into that later on in the conversation. I know it's going to come up, but today I'm introducing you to my friend, Sheila Hansen. She is a CPA or Certified Public Accountant and has had her own firm based in Nebraska for the past six years. She lives on five acres with her husband, three kids, a horse, and a tortoise. As an Enneagram 4, she has space for emotions and uses that in her accounting business to support female creative business owners as they become confident financial decision makers. She saw the need for not only the tactical how-to when it comes to business finances and taxes, but also the mindset and understanding the money stories we tell ourselves. Without further ado, let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Sheila. Ah, thank you for having me. I am so excited that you're here because as I alluded to in the intro, we have a very dear mutual friend, Taryn Dreeling who is really where I first heard about you, but I've never actually gotten to meet you in person. And I'm going to count this as in person, even though we are talking to each other through a screen. Absolutely. And I can't wait to meet you in real life coming on in February. At Cultivating Courage, if anybody wants to join us, I actually don't know if at the time that we're recording this, if there's any tickets available, but it's going to happen again next year. So Cultivating Courage happens in rural Kansas every year, and I cannot recommend it enough. But I digress. Back to you, Sheila. Okay. You are a CPA. I am someone who has so much respect for those of you in the world that help the rest of us in the world sort out numbers that feel intimidating. But before we jump into the nitty gritty of that, I'd love to know how you got into this line of work. Like, Did you come out of the womb just loving numbers and math and money? Or how did this progress? How did you get into what you do now? Yeah. Growing up, Math was always my stronger subject. The science, English, those topics weren't as interesting to me. I'm very logical in like, I like things to line up and math, you know, there's generally a correct answer. (laughs) So I liked that. When I was really young, I wanted to be a teacher. So I think there is a portion that in my business now I pull that in, in educating my clients. But yeah, growing up, I took accounting in high school, and that's when I decided this is what I'm going into. Went to University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I'm a Husker and went through, got my degree, got a job at a larger firm in Omaha and worked my way up the ladder. And as I did so, I realized I enjoyed the analytical part of things. But I was missing the relationship Mm. and the creative part of my brain that I have learned is there. Mm. And so now what I'm doing is a blend of the two, right? I'm honoring my creative side as a business owner, 
but then the analytical side in helping clients look at all the data and the numbers and pull that together. And so the two mesh together in we take the data and we put it in a form that makes sense for someone like you. Mm-hmm. Someone like me who is intimidated by numbers. Yeah. No, <laughs> yes. I'm I I love that approach because I need that in my life. Okay. I was so curious as I was reading more about you and your bio. And I mentioned our mutual friend Taryn Dreeling, who's how we first connected. And clearly you're friends with Taryn because you talk about the Enneagram in your bio. Now for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about when I say the word Enneagram, go back and listen to episode 39, where I actually invite our mutual friend Taryn Dreeling onto the podcast to talk all about exploring the Enneagram. But I want to dig deeper into how understanding the Enneagram has supported you in your business and how you show up to serve your clients. Yes, this was one of the aha self-awareness discovery moments for me. I am a type four which we desire to be unique and are how the Enneagram works is you have that kind of flaw and my flaw is envy. So it's like wanting to fit in, but yet wanting to be unique and honor Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And so always kind of that jealous play between the two. (laughs) But something that Enneagram fours generally have as a skill set is we can go on the emotional roller coaster. So like one minute we can be at the top of the roller coaster and the minute, the next minute we can be down in like the trenches of pain and sorrow. And then we can be right back to the joy and excitement and we bounce there. And then we look at others and we're like, why are you not on this roller coaster with me? Like, why are you three humps back instead of the top of the, (laughs) we've gone through so much since then. And so becoming aware of that and realizing that not everyone jumps from the top to the bottom so quickly in emotions was really eye-opening, especially in my marriage, because it was like with my husband, why are you not on this with me? So I've been told, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, those kinds of things my whole life. And I just take in the world in a different way. So that is where over the last couple of years with the Enneagram, I have been able to adjust and adapt what I've been doing in my business to support those that are struggling with the mindset part of numbers in all of the feelings and emotions that come up. Mm. And so my mission now is to create that safe space that we can talk about this stuff that somebody feels comfortable to come and open up and share with me and know that I'm going to be right there with the emotions with them. And so that's kind of the adjustments and adaptions that I've made in my business using the Enneagram. I think this is such a powerful way to approach things because I I joked before we started recording this podcast, I said, Sheila, basically, I'm going to have you give me a coaching call, a money mindset coaching call. And what I think is so interesting is when it comes to money and numbers, we don't usually think about numbers having an emotional charge, but man, when it comes to money, they do. So I want to talk about money mindset. Why is it that so many people struggle here? And what are the most common struggles that you have encountered with the people that you work with? Yeah, I think this is one of the areas that it's so ingrained in our subconscious from Mm. a young age that we don't even realize those stories that we're telling ourselves and how they're impacting any decision that we're making. And so when it comes to money mindset and the 
I think there's just this idea of power that comes with money that gets in the way. And then the feelings that people generally feel, you know, embarrassed. This is something I should understand and I don't. It all feels so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. I'm going to do it wrong. Get out of my brain, Sheila. (laughs) (laughs) And so then what ends up happening is we avoid Mm -hmm. and we try to buffer Mm -hmm. and not try to feel those emotions. And that's when we end up not getting results that we want because we never took the actions to get those results that we said. You know, how common is it that we set a goal of, I'm going to make $100,000 or seven figures or whatever it may be, but we don't dive into what that actually takes or what that actually looks like. And so then we don't get there and we get discouraged. Well, we never put the plan in place. We never had the map and the roadmap (laughs) to get there. So then when we don't, we're just disappointed. But I think the biggest one I've picked up on lately is just the whole avoidance and overwhelm. Yeah, I feel that very deeply in my soul. (laughs) You know, as a business owner, I don't feel confident when it comes to numbers. I don't feel confident when it comes to math. I don't feel confident when it comes to tracking numbers and analyzing numbers. And so as, as you said, is the pattern, I tend to just avoid them in a big way. And I remember the first time I had, you know, started my business, I'm like, great, I have to get taxes done. Talk about intimidating, right? I didn't learn about taxes the way that I think I wish that we would learn about taxes and accounting and money and and things when we're younger. And so I remember I had just moved back home to Cal back home to California and I had my accountant and I had a meeting with him and I remember feeling so nervous going in there. It felt like I was going into like, you know when you go into your dentist office and you have not been flossing and you feel like ashamed before you walk in. They're like, oh my God, I'm gonna get reprimanded for all the things I'm doing wrong. It felt a little bit the same way about the accountant. And I was afraid to walk in and have him look at me and say, you have no business owning a business. Like that was my biggest fear deep down. And I had been avoiding it for a long time. But you know, the IRS, they have an expectation of taxes. So I remember walking in finally to go to my accountant and I had this like a notebook, this folder that I had all the things I thought I needed. And I had a list of questions and I sat down and I like took a deep breath and I was like, okay. It's like, I think I have all the things I need and I have a lot of questions because I really don't know what I'm doing. And he looks at me and he says, of course you don't know what you're doing. You're not an accountant. That's exactly why you hired me. And I just remember taking this like sigh of relief and thinking, oh my gosh, of course. Why would I know this? I've never learned this. I didn't go to school for this. I haven't been trained for this. Why do I feel so much shame about not knowing the things that obviously I don't know? Yes. So two things there. One, I love that that was your experience with your accountant. I think that's something as an industry we need to be so much better about in that education and creating that space for somebody to come in as a newbie and say, I don't know anything. Help me learn. But then two, I'm laughing because at the firm I first started at, one of the partners, he always compared people. There's two types of people in the world. One who enjoy going to the dentist and those that don't. Yeah. And generally those that enjoy going to the dentist also like numbers and accounting. <laughs> and he, <laughs> that is he funny. had this analogy. And so the fact that you brought up going to the dentist and meeting with your accountant as a very similar experience just reiterates that is hysterical. <laughs> that connection. So yeah, it is 
definitely one of those that I'm so glad that your accountant said, you are here to learn. You hired me for that purpose. And that's the same type of conversations I want to be having with my clients, especially females. Yeah. You know, numbers intimidate me a lot. And so I don't look at them, even though I know as a business owner that numbers are everything, right? They give us guidance. They inform our decisions. They help us gain clarity and confidence in our business. And I know this, logically speaking, but I'm also very embarrassed to admit to you, Sheila, that I have a plastic Ziploc bag of receipts in my backpack that I have yet to log into my accounting spreadsheet. Oh yeah. And by the way, I still use an accounting spreadsheet, not a fancy software. And I feel shame about not being on a fancy software. And so it just becomes this like little vicious cycle. And it doesn't sound fun to me to sit down and update my accounting. And I also don't want to spend the money that I don't know if I have or not because I'm not actually putting the numbers into my software. And this is this is the this is the mess that's in the back of my um business. <laughs> and that is incredibly common. I think it's also that thought we have to have this organized before we go and ask for help. Mm. But when or how are we getting it organized and learning about it if we're avoiding it? And then we're never getting to the point that we can ask for help because we're not getting it in order. So my advice to anyone in that situation is take your mess. Find somebody who is willing to sit with you in your mess, but take your mess and ask for help. Mm, mm, that's really, really good. Okay. I hear I hear your advice. I'm going to take this to heart, Sheila. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay. I want to dig a little bit deeper into money mindset. For someone that's listening to this and they're like, money mindset, I don't even know what my mindset is around money. Or maybe it's there, but they've never really gotten curious or unpacked it. What do we mean when we say money mindset? How do we discover what our current money mindset is? And maybe if it's time for us to foster a healthier relationship with it. Yeah. I think the best place to start is to think about situations, and you can go back to childhood and the phrases and sentences that you heard growing up about mm -hmm. money. You know, the big ones like money doesn't grow on trees, mm -hmm. or you have to work hard for your money. Money's dirty. Like those are the phrases that we grew up with, and that begins our money mindset. And so if you start there, just thinking about like, when you are going to make a financial decision, what is popping up that you subconsciously are dismissing? But if you can get curious about what is going on in the back of your mind, that will start to trigger that story and you to become more aware of what it is you're telling yourself. You know, expensive, the definition of expensive, there's no dollar amount tied to expensive. Right. but you probably have a dollar amount that pops up when I say something's expensive that could be drastically different than my dollar amount for expensive. So expensive in itself is just a trigger for those stories to come up mm. that we're telling ourselves. I love this so much because I think also a place where I've learned to discover more about my own money mindset was in my marriage. So I've been married mm -hmm. for a little over two years now, and it's been fascinating because I've come to realize that my husband, Brent, and I, when we look at something, we are looking at it from two totally different lenses because we grew up in families that had totally different relationships to money than one another. And so even this question here of like, when, when someone says something is expensive, my definition and my husband's definition is different. And I'll give you another example. My husband's a little bit, he's eight years older than me. 
And so I also think, and maybe this is a whole other conversation to unpack when it comes to money, like societal expectations of how much money we should have at certain phases of our life. Like that's been yes. a conversation that comes up for us a lot. But I remember us sitting down like last year or something and we I was looking at my bank account and my husband who is, you know, towards the end of his thirties, he looks at a bank account and he's like, oh man, I thought I'd have so much more to show for myself at this point in my life. And that's what he sees when he looks at those numbers on the screen. Meanwhile, I look at those numbers on the screen and I think, I never knew that I could have this much money before in my entire life. Same exact number and two totally different emotions and relationships with that number. And that has been a very interesting journey to walk. Exactly. That is. So my journey for digging into more money mindset stuff started with the whole concept of parenting. Mm same idea. Two people grow up in different households, different situations. You build this mindset around what parenting looks like. And then now the two of you come together and have to figure this out together and how to communicate and go through all of that. And it's like, why would you even think that? Well, his experiences growing up were totally different than mine. So same thing with money. You add two totally different experiences And it's even interesting, I like to have people think about, okay, what were those phrases you heard in childhood? But then even more specifically, what was your mom saying versus your dad? Mm. And where, like, which one were you getting certain narratives from? Because oftentimes there is that different view coming from one versus the other. Again, you know, that just generational mindset instilled in them and how they act. And and then you can also look at families who the parents openly talk about money and share about it and talk about it with their kids. And those that it causes fights and disagreements all of the time. Like, why wouldn't you fear money if you saw your parents arguing all of the time about the bills and paying that versus somebody who was open and shared and talked about it? That would create a more open positive mindset around it, knowing that, okay, it's not something I need to fear. It's just something we need to talk about and discuss. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so interesting to think about money in this way. And I love that you brought up parenting as like a parallel. And I also think about very much, this is a mindset that is generationally passed down. And the same thing is true for, you know, on this podcast and in the work that I do, I talk a lot about our body image and our mindset as it relates to our relationship with our bodies. And it's the same way, right? These are stories that are passed down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Now, if someone is thinking about this money mindset story or thinking about the stories that were handed to them from their, from, you know, their parents and they realize, oh, this might not actually be the type of mindset that I want to pass down to my kids. I don't want them to feel icky around money or scared around money or embarrassed around money and numbers. How do I make sure that I am passing passing down a more positive, a healthy money mindset to my kids? Yeah. I think that always starts with self, right? Mm -hmm. We can't teach somebody else if we haven't addressed it in our own mindset and made healed that in a way within ourselves. So I think something that is so common that you could start with is that idea of when I get to this place, then I will, right? When I get to this income level, then I'll save. Mm -hmm. Or when I get here, then I'll feel financially safe. But it starts with those little actions today in creating those habits. 
right? Same thing with self-body or self-love and body image. It's not once I lose the weight or once I am in the actions, it's I'm loving and accepting myself for what I did today. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes up with money as well. I can save a dollar. I can put move a dollar into a savings account. And I start with $1 because that's what I've got today. And I build that habit. And then as my income grows, I can increase that percentage. Or one of the really common ones I see is where the scarcity mindset comes up for business owners. Yeah, let's talk about that. And this typically comes in when they've gone through that early hustle stage and then they've, we'll say, made it, right? Like they're no longer struggling. They've got a balance in their bank account and it scares them to death to do anything. Or if that balance drops down, they are like so tied to that number being there that it holds them back actually because they've been at a point where it was zero. And so it's like their mindset needs to catch up with where their business is at today because they're so used to hustling and now they're, they don't need to and they can hire help and they can get help and they can look at their other values and where they want to be spending and decide that that could be used in other ways to grow more and that balance that they just get so hung up on it. And so when I ask them to do something that would reduce that balance, I can see it. Like I can see them tense up and get scared. And it's so interesting. And then you have others that are on the opposite where it's like, if there's a dollar in their bank account, they're spending it and, you know, figuring out where the next dollar is going. And so you just have those two totally different. The scarcity comes in in that they've created this, but there's something that's going to pull the rug out from underneath of them and it's going to be gone. And that's the scarcity coming in. And then there's the spenders who I can replenish that. No problem. I know how to bring in the next dollar and they don't need that safety net. It's so fascinating to me. I feel like you were talking about how you mentioned that their belief needs to catch up with them. And Mm -hmm. I was just talking to someone the other day about how I feel like I'm at this place in my business where it's almost like I've hit a belief ceiling. So it's like, First of all, before, you know, when you're a new entrepreneur, you're just trying to build the belief that you can be a successful entrepreneur at all, right? Like that you can make any money at all. And once you do that, you're like, oh my gosh, I've gotten here. I've, you know, like you said, you have quote unquote made it. And then understanding that the mindset that got you to that place is not going to be the same mindset that's going to get you to the next place. And I feel like for me in my business right now, I feel like I've hit that belief ceiling of like, okay, I've made, I've already made, you know, more money than I thought I could make. And I recognize that I am, hi, it's me. I'm the problem, Taylor Swift reference. Um, (laughs) I also recognize that I am the one that's holding myself back from growing more because I think that this is where I'm at. I'm at this point where I need to go back to the drawing board a little bit and ask myself, okay, what am I believing about this ability, this level of money or business? And how can I foster a healthier relationship from this perspective to get me moving forward. I've kind of hit that that next level, if that makes any sense. It does. That's so common. And I have experienced that as well in my own business. It was actually in a recent therapy session. We were talking about feeling worthy mm. and that limit that we're putting on ourselves on whether we are worthy of what our true dreams and desires are. And I think 
one example we can use is if you look at lottery winners. Mm. They went from a mindset situation before that matched their financial situation. They then changed their financial situation overnight, basically, but their mindset doesn't change. And so many of them end up after a period of time back in the original financial situation they were in prior to winning the lottery because their mindset never changed. And so it is that constant work, unfortunately, I guess, but also very exciting (laughs) that we can keep growing and learning. And so one of the things I am doing in this is to get certified as a life coach. So I can bring in the tactical and these conversations. And in that certification process, there is 50% positive and 50% negative in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's just how it is. So if we almost like welcome the negative, then we're also welcoming that positive to come with it. So this is one of those, it's like, you could look at it as, oh, I've got to do this work to keep growing. Or you could look at it as like, I get to do this work that's going to bring up some negative feelings to then create this positive. And that abundance that I get to create, like we get to grow our circle bigger because we're willing to accept the 50% negative that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that. And I think it's important for us to remember that we're human and life is always going to be beautiful and messy and hard and wonderful all at the same time, yeah. maybe all in the same day. And the same thing is true when it comes to our relationship with finances. Looking to save more money and invest for your future? It's never been easier than with Acorns. Download the app, sync to your debit or credit cards, and automatically round up every purchase you make to mindlessly save and invest your money without any added work. Set up recurring investments to increase your savings and investment fund and watch your money build with time without even thinking about it. Listen, I know nothing about saving and investing, but I've been using Acorns for a couple of years now, and I now have enough money to take a vacation to Europe with my husband. And the best part, I didn't even notice it happening. Join me and you'll get a free $5 investment to start saving and investing for your future too. Click the link in the show notes and get started with Acorns today. One of the other things that I know you like to talk about when it comes to business finances specifically is understanding cash flow. Tell me a little bit more about this. Yeah. So this is one of the areas that if I could just preach to new business owners, the first question like you had, I have to do taxes, right? Like everybody <laughs> knows that yes, on a base level. They might not understand everything involved with it, but they at least know there's this thing on called taxes that I have to deal with as a business owner. And so all of them come to me with questions on how can I save on taxes? What do I need to do for tax? And I would just love to get the message out there. Taxes don't matter if you're not profitable. Mm. Taxes are a percent of what you actually make and get to keep at the end of the day. Yeah. So we get so focused on how to save on this category that if we don't have a profitable and sustainable business, it really doesn't even matter. And so cash flow is how business or how money comes in and out of your business. So money coming in is from sales, maybe money that we put in the business to get it up and going, 
if we had to take out loans, like any money coming in and then money going out is how we pay our vendors or people that we're hiring to help us. It's our software and subscriptions and all of that that's helping us maintain our business. It's paying ourselves, paying our employees, money going out. And so the main equation going to algebra, money in minus money out is money we are left with at the end of the day. And so it's so common in the world that we hear people setting goals based on the money that's coming in. But if the money going out is more than what's coming in, there's nothing left for you. So I want business owners to be worried about both sides, money in, money out, so they can focus on what they get to keep. Yeah. This is so cash flow. Yeah. Then there's other factors into it. It's not just the amounts that are coming in, but it's the timing of that right? You probably know in the coaching world or the speaking world, some people will pay you right away. Mm-hmm. Some probably if you're doing corporate speaking, you're going to be on their pay cycle, which is 30, 60, 90 days mm-hmm. from when you send the invoice. So mapping when money is coming in with when money is going out. And I think that's one of those looking at bank accounts, you can get in trouble if you're making all of your decisions based on what's in the bank today. If you haven't factored in, okay, but what else do I need to pay before the next deposit is coming in? And then if we are profitable, we also need to be setting money aside to pay those taxes. And so having that pulled out so we're not looking at that money when we're making other business decisions on what's available to spend. So that's cash flow. I like to help segregate the cash balance into a specific purpose. So then it's easier to just log in and see, okay, here's what I've got to spend kind of in this category. And I know that I need this type of cushion to get me three to six months into the future. Then no matter what else is really happening, I'm covered in paying myself. If I need to let employees go or I need to launch a new thing for three to six months down the road, like I'm still good. I don't need to freak out and accept clients or accept offers that don't align with my values and what I want to offer. Yeah. This is such an important thing to talk about because if you're someone like me that needs to update their numbers, (laughs) it's important that we do so so that we have that informed data to make these decisions. And I think for me, something that I have to work to remind myself on as I continue to work on my money mindset is it's helpful for me. And this is the same. It's so crazy, the parallels. The same thing is true when it (laughs) It comes for people that are looking at data on your health journey, right? I think sometimes people put all this weight into these numbers in my bank account mean something about my worth and value as a person. These numbers on a scale mean something about my worth and value as a person. And that is simply not true. You are worthy and valuable, period, period. And I think something that helps me before I get into that place of like, okay, we're digging into finances today is telling myself these numbers are neutral. They are, it is literally just data and data is neutral. And also coming back to, for those of you that are Brene Brown fans, Brene Brown always says that clarity is kind. And what I've come to understand is that my lack of clarity in my business is actually me self-sabotaging my own success. And it's not kind to myself to not have that clarity. And it's important for me to get to the root of like, why am I doing this to myself? And it usually comes back down to that core belief that I'm continuing to unpack, which is that numbers mean something about me. 
Amen. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you hit it on the you hit it on the head there with just that the worth. You know, there's that phrase out there, charge your worth and add tax. And it's so wrong because our price is our price. The price in our business is the value that the equivalent of the value that we're providing to our customer, but has nothing to do with our worth mm. and who we are. So we need to flip that that thought instead of charging our worth, charge the value to the customer. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the value that we're providing them. That doesn't have anything to do with my own worth. The price is the price. Your business is your business and you are you. Those two are separate. Yes, there's the whole like personal brand, everything, you know. Yeah. You are you are the face of your business, but your worth is completely separate from the success of what your business, success or failure of yeah. your business. I also this this thought came up to me as you're talking about cash flow and money in versus money out. And you know, as an entrepreneur, I follow a lot of other entrepreneurs online on social media and Social media, I talk about it all the time. Social media can be a great place and a terrible place. And I know as someone who is a three, an Enneagram three, an achiever, sometimes social media can be an unhealthy spot for me to be in because I very easily fall into the comparison trap. And a lot of this comes up for me. The place that I've been struggling just very candidly the most lately when it comes to comparison is business related. And it got me thinking about this because you mentioned cash flow, money in, money out. And something I think is just interesting to get curious about is number one, when you see people on social media, you have no idea what their lives actually look like or what they're actually going through. And when you see entrepreneurs on social media, you have no idea what their bank account actually looks like either. You know, I feel like I see a lot of these entrepreneurs on social media being like, I have like a six figure business or a seven figure business. And that might be true. And also, I don't know if they have made a single dollar profit or not. You know, we don't have that information. And I think it's just a reminder to me too of like, stay in your own lane, focus on the things that you have control over instead of, again, feeding into that belief that like, well, they're at a, they made their first seven figures and I must be doing something totally wrong. And like, I don't know what their story is. All I know is my own story. Absolutely. Yeah. It could totally be they have seven figure of sales, but they spent seven plus in Facebook ads to get those sales, <laughs> they're not benefiting at the end of the day from all of that. And I would, this might not be true, but I would argue that if they are creating large profits that they're proud of, they would probably be focused on sharing their profits and not profit numbers yeah. and not their revenue numbers. Yeah, they're different, right? My grandpa right. used to always say, he used to say, Figures never lie, but liars figure. <laughs> and basically yes. the idea is that we can use statistics can, and numbers to paint all sorts of different pictures, right? Yes. You can twist them to be whatever, go along with whatever story you want them to. And so for those that do see that on social media, I would just take it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. It's not the whole story. Right. There's so many parallels, again, that we've been talking about, whether it's parallels with the dentist versus an accountant, whether it has to do with <laughs> parenting or our self-love journey. And I think that, you know, coming back to the whole how money mindset is so largely rooted in the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories we believe. Now, for myself, as I unpack these stories as they pertain to my health journey, something that's been really helpful for me 
to turn down the dial on those old broken stories that I know aren't serving me is by telling myself new stories, by practicing different affirmations, practicing different beliefs to help me grow that strengthened belief in myself and my worth and my strengthened belief in myself and money. And so I have struggled in the past, I guess I should say, I am still struggling with overcoming a lot of scarcity mindset. And a lot of that has to do with the family that I was raised in, scarcity around money, subconsciously believing that money was bad because people with a lot of money were bad and that's not true. And so, so many of this is really about me telling myself a new story, a new belief about money and people that have lots of money and what it takes to make lots of money. I'm curious, Sheila, if you have any, I guess like money mindset affirmations or beliefs or thoughts that you might offer someone if they are trying to believe something different with money. Yeah. So I think the most common thing is we get the actual circumstance mixed up with the thought. Mm -hmm. So we have a bill comes in the mail and then we have thoughts about that bill. That's what's causing the money mindset part and our thoughts about paying that bill. And so I think if we can, whether it's journal or just get curious about when that comes up, what is a different thought I could think or challenge and flip the thought the other way, like even 100%, you know, Mm -hmm. I dread paying this bill. Well, this bill is turning the lights on in my house. So if I think about it as this has helped fostering memories that I'm creating with my spouse or my kids and providing a safe environment, like I'm going to think about that bill in a drastically different way than this is money going out. I wish I could be spending it on something else. And so just almost having like a debate, (laughs) negotiate with yourself on what that thought really means and what you want it to mean and becoming aware of the feelings then that those thoughts create. Are they, again, going back to the 50% negative we experience and are we sending ourselves down a path of negative or are we fostering a positive feeling? And then we talked about it in the beginning, but overwhelm and avoidance is one of the really common things. And that's actually like overfeeling emotions that we don't need to feel mm. <laughs> or those emotions. And by feeling those, it's holding us back from what we really want. And so just catching yourself and saying, okay, I maybe don't know all of this, like, or I don't understand everything about my taxes or everything about my financial situation. But you today were able to explain the difference between revenue and profit. You know something. Mm-hmm. So start there and like dig into that and just know that you can put systems in place. Like you said, you have your receipts in your bag that you need to enter into your spreadsheet. That as a system. <laughs> it's a system, yeah. And I'm I'm proud of you for having your receipts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just a little pat on the back here. Yes. <laughs> So you have your systems and your receipts that you need to enter. So what is like one thing that you could make that process? I really encourage people to set money dates, right? When we have a date, we like get all in the groove, like light your candle, get your like favorite drink, make it this fun, exciting environment, even if it's just to sit down and enter your receipts, like turn on that music that gets you in the vibe, like Make it a fun, exciting experience, and you're going to more likely sit down to do that on a regular basis. Or if you're like, oh, I got to pound away at this activity. (laughs) 
So I think it's just that it's taking out the steps that make it overwhelming and putting in small little things that you can get over the hurdle quicker to do the thing that you need to do when it comes to money. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. I love (laughs) the idea of a date. I might have to make the drink a cocktail. We'll see. And that's totally fine. (laughs) That needs to be in the beginning how it is. But you're training your nervous system too. Like this. This isn't scary. You're having your, yeah, you're having your thoughts and you're energizing your body in a way that's like, and so if we can train that nervous system, like this isn't scary. I can take my numbers on my receipts and put them in my spreadsheet. It means nothing about my worth. Like it's going to give me data. Then we go from there. But when we let it compound into meaning all of this other stuff, then that is when we dread it and we avoid it. And Right. We get so attached to those stories. So good. So, so good. I'm also feeling very inspired to set a date on my calendar, (laughs) Sheila, because I I know this, right? Like I know that if it's not on my calendar, it's not going to happen. And do I have a single date on my calendar to do anything with finances right now? Absolutely not. Nope. No, but and I I'm going to say Sheila said I could have a cocktail and work on my receipts. <laughs> yes. Start with just five, 10, 15 minute, 20 minute dates. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes I think is a, is a good date to start with. And that's where at the beginning it might be you enter your receipts for that 20 minutes. And then the next time it's like, okay, now I'm going to spend a little bit of time looking at this spreadsheet that I've entered everything and see what it can tell me or what I can learn from it. And then you're going to keep growing in what you can do in that 20 minutes and understand. I just put on my calendar, Sheila, as we're talking. Yes. It's Success. for Friday. Friday afternoon, cocktail appropriate cocktail. time to have a date with finances. It's in the books. Oh, I love it. So good. And I love the, the idea of breaking it down into baby steps, right? This is a journey. And I think also keeping in mind that money mindset is a journey that doesn't have a destination because our financial situations can change. Our like my husband and I are talking about growing our family and having a kid. Obviously, that's going to change some things. Getting a new vehicle, buying a house, having money for kids to go to college. Money is going to continue to be a part of our lives until the day that we die. And so I think just continuing to really tap into and become aware of our relationship with money as we continue on that journey. Yeah. And I think another area that it comes up is aligning your values and what's important to you with how you're spending your money, Mm. right? There's so much that you could look to external. People want to come, they come to me and they want me to give them a system or a process. And it's like, well, but first I need to know what's important to you. Where do you want to be spending your money? Just like in a body, you know, you could have somebody who wants to be really adventurous and athletic and be able to go hike a big mountain with no issues. And what you do and how you foster that is going to be drastically different than somebody who just wants to make it around the block. You know, like those are two totally different (laughs) situations. And so if one is looking at the other one, they're going to get mixed up in the process. So I think a good place to start is what is truly important to me and my values? Mm. For my family, it's our acreage and spending time as a family, getting outdoors. That's just drastically different than my brother's situation where he just spent or sent his kid off to play hockey 
to potentially make it to the professional league, but like is not living with him for the next year. Like those are two different situations and we have different goals and, and one's not wrong. One's not right. It's just, we're spending different or we're allocating our funds differently. Right. And so looking at internally and that self-awareness of what's important to us and how do we want to be spending this and looking ahead to the future of, okay, what road and journey are we down and how can we help foster that journey for ourselves? Mm. So many good questions for us to get curious about in this episode. Sheila, I ask everyone that comes on the podcast uh, the same question to go in line with the theme of the podcast, which is climbing. And it's all about climbing the mountains of life with all the glorious ups and downs. So I'm curious for you right now in your life, for your career, what is a mountain that you're currently climbing? Yeah, I am climbing. It's kind of two that correlate or or respond together. And that is overcoming burnout and niching my business. Mm. And so I went from one kiddo to adding two within 20 months, my husband going through a major career change at the time, and now mapping that along with not overworking myself and accepting everything and getting out of that scarcity Mm -hmm. and niching in my business for who it is I really want to serve and how I want to serve them. And so kind of mapping the two together. I've been at the place that I have worked with everyone, all of the different situations, and now I want to align everything together so that I am living my best life, I guess, with what's going on with my family and what's going on in the business. Mm -hmm. And remind us what your niche is now. So my niche now is creatives. And so anybody that falls into that space, and it's kind of a broad open definition, but generally those graphic designers, coaches can fall into their social media managers, photographers, videographers. Those are kind of the main spaces that I see. So cool. So, so cool. Yeah. Now in that journey, as you navigate that, where are you currently finding joy? Currently, I am finding joy in just the everyday moments with my kids. Part of that has been adjusting my schedule to only be working a couple days a week since I've got those young ones at home. And so it's really just the little giggles and those things in life. Love that. So Sheila, this has just been such an amazing conversation. Again, you've given us so much to think about. For those that want to connect with you or learn more about you or maybe fall under that niche and are interested in working with you, how can they connect? Yeah, I spend most of my time on Instagram. So in the feed and in my stories, I do offer a weekly email called the Millionaire Mindset that hits your inbox Monday morning. So you can save those for your Friday money dates and read them then. So good. And then I offer a monthly masterclass. So you brought up cash flow. That was one of the previous topics. Upcoming, we're talking about overwhelming feelings and avoiding numbers. But those are monthly. So if you check out the website, you can sign up for the most recent one. And then I offer intensive sessions. So one-time consulting for somebody who either wants to address their mindset issues or like you said, I have a system. Is this the system I need? We can talk about that kind of thing in just a one-time call. And I have ongoing monthly services where I am helping those businesses every month put together their numbers so they don't have to and then give them narratives on what those numbers 
mean from my perspective, at least. Awesome. We will make sure to have all of those things linked down below in the show notes so you can connect with Sheila, explore her masterclass and her services as well. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? I would just love for them to be open and curious about their money. Again, dig into what is coming up when they feel those tense feelings in their body. Is it tightness in their chest? Have it weight in their shoulders? What is causing that when it comes to money? And dig into that and just start working on it. Because so many times when I find that we we open the conversation and start digging into it, it's not nearly as scary for them as they originally thought. So true. I love that. We're going to be compassionately curious about our money beliefs, my friends. That is our task and where we are going to focus on this week. Thank you so much, Sheila for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your encouragement. I am feeling re-inspired. I have a date this Friday and I'm looking forward to it. Definitely going to sign up for your newsletter as well. And you, sweet listener, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. But before you go, if you enjoyed this show, it would mean the world to me and Sheila that if you enjoyed it, if you screenshot it, post it to your stories on social and tagged us, tell us what you learned, tell us what you're thinking about sharing it with a friend is a great way to help support the show. And if you also enjoyed it, you can head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating or written review and make sure to hit follow or the check mark so you don't miss out on any shows to come. We will see you right back here. Same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.